We're in our series, God's Wealth. We're doing a deep dive, eight weeks on the subject of money, uh, looking at abundance and wisdom. We've done grow income. We've done find contentment, eliminate debt, manage expense. And today we're uh, looking at share resource, share resource. Jesus himself said more about money than prayer and faith combined. And as we've gone through this series, it's been helpful for me just to be reminded about how much I need to be confronted by the truth of the Bible as it relates to how I think about money and possessions and happiness and how I relate to those things and how God wants me to think about those things. So today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 6 through 15. And uh, it will come up on the screen and we have Bibles in our pews as well. So please take that and use it. And if you don't have a Bible, then keep it. It's our gift to you. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote this passage here that we're going to be looking at today. And the Apostle Paul was, or some people refer to him as St. Paul, he was an early Christian leader and was responsible for helping to start many of the first churches that were started. And he wrote letters to many of those churches. And that's what Second Corinthians is. It's a letter to one of the churches in a place called Corinth. And um, he's writing to them because one of the reasons he brings up in this passage is several reasons he's writing to them. But one of the things that's happened is that Christians in Jerusalem at the time were in poverty. There'd been a famine there. And so he's writing to the Corinthians in order to raise a special offering to help the Jerusalem Christians. And, and the, the Corinthians had promised, they'd actually said, yes, we are going to take up a special offering. We're going to give towards the, the Jerusalem Christians to help them. So, so we have the situation where one set of Christians in Jerusalem, the, the church in Jerusalem, they're in great need. But then over here, you've got the Corinthians like, hey, we've got a, some resource. We're doing all right. And we want to send, we want to take up a big offering and send it over to you to help you in this moment of poverty, in this moment of difficulty uh, that you're experiencing. And what we see right away, you don't have to read the Bible for very long and you start getting slapped around. You just you read the Bible, you start getting slapped around. It's sometimes disconcerting that it's normal Christian life from the very beginning of the church to take up special offerings, to give in extravagant big ways to meet needs that exist. Now, some people can ask, well, why, you know, why do churches today ask for money? Isn't there like a secret organization that funds churches? Or isn't there like a magical money tree that like churches get their money from? Why, 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 do, why, do, you know, why are Christians called to give to churches? Well, we're going to read here in this passage that not only did Christians give on a regular basis, ongoing giving, but they have moments like this where there's a sudden need and, they, and someone like an, an apostle Paul or some, another leader says, hey, we've got to raise extra money to help with this issue. We see that happening from very early on. Now, some people are cynical about this. They say, well, you know, why does God need money? I've heard people, maybe you've heard this before. Why does God, why do churches try and raise money or do this kind of thing? Why do, God doesn't need money. And, and of course, that's a ludicrous statement because Christians don't claim. None of us claim that God needs money. If God's God, he doesn't need anything. No Christian, no true Christian would ever claim that God needs anybody's money. The, 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 the purpose, there's several reasons why God calls us to give. He calls us to give, um, he, he calls us to be his hands and feet. Now, there are times where God directly acts, like divine power. We, we pray, there are things beyond our ability, beyond, beyond our means, and we pray, God, would you intervene, would you act? And God and his divine power, he intervenes, he acts. God does that. In powerful ways, sometimes there's, there's amazing answers to prayers and miracles that we see happen. That happens from time to time. But more commonly, 
much more frequently, God calls his people. He calls us to be his hands and feet and to administer and meet those needs that we see around us. Very powerfully in the gospel of Luke, actually, Jesus he describes it like this. He says that wherever your, your treasure is there, your heart will be also. That there's this invisible tether between money and heart. That, that wherever you invest or use your money, your heart moves towards it all the more. And so if God's going to be in charge of our lives, if, if we're going to commit our lives to God and say we want to follow Him, we want to trust Him, and we want our lives to, lives to be for Him, then a, you know, our hearts need to be His. And if our hearts are connected to our money, then that's a really big reason we want to put our, invest our money into God's kingdom. Our hearts will have more affection for God in that way. And we have a giving God. We have a giving God. This is the nature of God. What is the most famous verse in the Bible? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave. And he gave the most precious thing. He gave his one and only son. And we're made in the image of God, which means the, the, the greatest expression of our own nature in terms of being like God, is to be generous like God. We're told in this passage we're going to read, we're told that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, if you don't give cheerfully, that doesn't mean that God hates you. It just, it just means that God is, because God is pleased with all giving, because all giving has power, can be used by God, even if it's given in the wrong motive or given, you know, um, out of obligation, out of manipulation even. Uh, God can still use it and bless it. But God, what it means is that God is particularly blessed and particularly pleased when we give in a cheerful way. That's what it means. So let's, let's pray and then let's read this passage. Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we pray that today you would stretch our hearts as we've gone through this journey of looking at money, looking at our earnings and looking at how we're managing it and looking at debt and looking at all these different things. As you've been stretching us, help us today to be stretched beyond our natural inclination to generosity, to, to have the generosity that you have, that we would see, meet, meet the needs around us and that we would see things transform in our own lives and in the world around us as we give like you give. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go, 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6. Apostle Paul writes this, he says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service, now when he says the ministry of the service, that just means their special offering they're taking up for the Jerusalem church. The ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, 
They, talking about the Jerusalem believers, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is God's word. So Paul, Apostle Paul here, starts with, he's using a farming metaphor to teach us about giving. So he's saying your resources, your wealth that you have uh, are seeds that can be sown. And so for us, we need to think of dollars as being seeds. So I've got some seeds here that, that Rochelle rudely started eating. Uh, it's all right, they're pumpkin seeds. I guess. Do you, who likes pumpkin seeds? Anyone like some pumpkin seeds? We got, yeah, we've got some pumpkin seeds fans in the room. All right. So the, the, the point is, he says, you know, hey, if you, if you sow sparingly, um, you'll reap sparingly. So, so I have a, a single pumpkin seed here. If I sow the single pumpkin seed, let's, be, let's, let's, go, let's go a little bit beyond that. Let's, if I sow two, does that mean next week we're going to have, I really hope next week someone puts a bunch of pumpkins over here. That would be really <laughs> hilarious. Uh, go on, I'll do a third. I'll do a third. We've got three, I'm just, <laughs> three pumpkin seeds down here. Will I, obviously imagine this soil. Imagine, just imagine it. All right. Will I reap a lot? A little bit. I'll reap a lot because the seed grows into something bigger, right? So hey, it's going it's to grow into something bigger, but I only put down three. But let's imagine... Let's just imagine I get lavish with this stuff here. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to need some help clearing this up afterwards, guys. So we're going to, we're going to, I got two of these. I got two. We're just going to go for it. We're just going to, don't tread on these guys as you come for communion. Sorry, Jesus, forgive me. If I, if I throw, if I lavish, I'm just going to keep doing this. I know some people feel awkward about this. You're like, this is just so messy, but that's all right. We can cope with mess, right? If now, if I'm lavish with my, if I I sow bountifully, that's the word the Bible uses, bountifully, what kind of harvest will I reap now? It's going to be a bountiful one, right? It's kind of an obvious question. Anyone want a Trinity mug? We've got Trinity mugs as well. They're pretty great. Got some out in the lobby if you want a Trinity mug. So, we're told that, that sowing is giving. Sowing is giving. And if we hold on to our dollars, our money, it produces a lot less. And the, the, the truth of the scripture that we're learning today is that if we give it away, as we invest it in God's purposes and God's plans, and we give it towards God's mission, we give it for the, the purposes and the worship of God, God, it, it, it has much more uh, life to it. God multiplies it. God spreads it. So went to the bank, got a wad of cash here today. I was talking to somebody earlier on about carrying, when you're carrying lots of cash around on you and you, you feel awkward. Just got to walk normal. So just don't, don't act like I'm, anything's different. But if I got this big wad of cash here, if I, sorry for my showmanship today. This is the one and only time you might see the pastor at Trinity Church throwing money around. Let's say I sow a single, a single dollar. What kind of return am I going to get on that? Because these are seeds. Right, so let's, go, let's go for it. Let's do, let's, do, let's do three. How generous of me. It's not, it's not much, right? It's not going to produce much. 
if I give much. But let's, let's, let's say I, I, I just, I get the heart of God and I just say, I'm just gonna, gonna make it rain. <laughs> gonna, this is fun, you guys should try this. Has anyone ever done this before? <laughs> we'll just, we'll just do the rest of it. <laughs> now, he snatched it out of the air. That was the bossest move I've ever seen at church. Wow. Now that is my personal money. So I will. <laughs> I can give. I can give it away. I don't mind. I can give it away. I'd be happy to give it away. Wasn't planning on it. Took it out of one of my money buckets that I have. Going back to last week. But that's all right. I can be flexible with that. Where was I? <laughs> so God is able, as we release the resources that God's given us, as we're generous, as we're, we're ludicrous, we're over the top with it, and we, we give in sacrificial ways, um, God multiplies it. That's what the Bible is telling us. That God uses it in very powerful ways to produce amazing results, uh, to multiply the harvest of our own righteousness. Now, um, the, the kind of offering that the Apostle Paul is talking to them about, talking to the Corinthians about, is a special offering. This is above and beyond what they would normally give. There is uh, ongoing giving that Christians do, uh, what's called a tithe. Uh, tithe is kind of a religiously sounding word. It's a word from the Bible. Um, it means tenth. So there's an ongoing sense, and this is a different sermon. We'll get into this. In, we're doing a deep dive. Don't forget in this series, so we'll get into We'll talk about tithes on a different week. But uh, that's an ongoing kind of offering that, that Christians will do. But this offering to the Jerusalem believers who are in poverty, this is above and beyond what they would normally give, what they would normally do, what's called a sacrificial offering. And what's different about this is like a tithe is a percentage. Like you work out what you're earning, and you slice off 10% and give that. With a sacrificial offering like this, there's no recommended percentage. There's no like amount. It's not like, hey, you should think about giving like 100 bucks in a special offering, or you should maybe give 3% of, you know, a, there's nothing like that. In the, in the Old Testament, it's called a, a free will offering. And so what we do is, as Christians, we're to pray. And say, God, this is, there's a need that's arisen. There's, there's something that's come up that we need to give towards. And we pray and we decide in our hearts, because there's no percentage that's directly commanded. There's no amount that's directly commanded. We, we just pray and say, God, what, what would you have me give? Now, of course, we can't give, we shouldn't give beyond what we have. Don't give on a credit card you're not paying off. Don't give off a student loan. Don't do anything like that. Um, if you, it, well, if you ever do anything like that, it's got to be the smallest amount and only like once or twice, because like, you're giving somebody else's money. Um, so typically, that's not a good idea. It's not, it's not good to be generous with other people's stuff, all right? We want to learn to be generous with our stuff. So we don't give beyond our means, but we do, we, we, from what we have, we look at what we have, and we say, God, help me, help stretch my faith so I can be generous and, and give above and beyond what I would normally give, what I would normally be planning and preparing to give. Now, we have a special offering coming up soon here at Trinity, um, towards the end of the year, we do a special Christmas offering, and most of that goes towards causes outside of our church. And so the, um, in the next few weeks, we'll be talking about our Christmas offering. But I mention it now because I just want to ask everyone to start praying about that. Like, what would God have you give? Because you have to decide in your heart. Okay, God, what would you, what would you have me contribute in, in this special offering to, this, to meet these needs and to bless these other people? And, but we're told specifically, right, we read it here, God loves a cheerful giver. So there's an element to giving that should be cheerful, that should be 
very cheerful and should be happy. And sometimes we don't experience the happiness of giving until after we give. But what it means is it means that we need to give out of purpose and not out of pressure. We give out of purpose, not out of pressure. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're not used to giving and, and, and you come to a special offering with money to give and you're like, I've never done this before. I'm gonna, you know, this money's gonna go out of my account. I'm, I'm losing, right? You, that's what we tend to think. We think of giving. We think, well, someone else has something that I didn't have, so that's good for them, but now I have less. The Bible wants us to understand, no, giving is sowing. Giving is sowing. When you give, it multiplies. God multiplies it. God uses it for his purposes. So, so we have to totally reframe the idea of giving. That doesn't mean that, especially if we're not used to it, that we wouldn't be nervous about giving. Might be nervous. Might, 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 might be a little hesitant, like, oh, I'm not sure about, you know, this is a stretch. Like, this is, I, I, I'm a little, you know, cautious about this or anxious about it. Am I, am I going to have all my needs met? Am I going to go without? Like, this is going to be challenging for me. If we, depending on our relationship with money, depending on how we think about money, depending on the kind of messages we received in the, in the, how, the environment we grew up in, like, what did our parents say about money? How did they view money? All of those things can go into this, and so it can make us uncertain about about giving. But the Bible says, hey, give cheerfully, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. So we can't make excuses and say, well, I, I, I'm doing it reluctantly, therefore I'm not going to do it. Say, so, well, hang on a second here. We, we've got to find a way to move towards the truth of this, that there's joy on the other side of giving. And it, what it says about that, about Jesus, that was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. That, hey, in sacrifice, there can be a sense of loss, but there's joy on the other side of it. Christians should not give under pressure or under manipulation or under guilt or out of obligation. Sadly, though, this happens. Sometimes we guilt ourselves into it, but it can be that even Christian leaders or churches will guilt people or pressure people in how they talk about money, which is why some people are very nervous about churches talking about money. But we can feel pressured or guilted into this. One of the worst examples I've uh, I'd read about this uh, was back in the, in the 80s, early 90s. Uh, there was a Christian leader by the name of Oral Roberts. And there's actually Oral Roberts University, if you've heard of that before. Um, you know, a fairly well-respected Christian leader at the time. And um, he went on Christian television, which, by the way, there's no such thing as Christian television. There's just television. But uh, he went on, he was on a Christian television program and they had this project that they were launching. It was some big thing. They were saying, God's called us to do this. We've got to raise all this money. Their goal was to raise $8 million. This is back in the 80s. And he said on television that if they did not raise the $8 million, that he would kill himself. I wish I was making that up. I wish that wasn't true. Because it's embarrassing. You know, as a Christian... As a believer in Jesus, a believer in the Bible, you're just, like he is directly violating the, these verses we just read, where it says Christians are not to give out of compulsion. Do, do you think those Christians gave freely out of cheerfulness and joy? Like, oh, I'm so glad to give to this vision and this special project we're doing. Or are you thinking, heck, I don't want all Roberts to die, commit suicide. I, ha I have to give. I'm forced to give. I'm manipulated to give. And the, tra the, the, the sucky thing about it is, the tragedy about it is, it worked. They raised the $8 million. People responded to it and gave to it, which, you know, it makes sense, though, if you think, you know, the Bible describes us as sheep. And it makes sense, you know, sheep can be easily led astray, easily wander away, you know. If you've got a bad shepherd, you'll, you trust the shepherd and they, they lead you astray. And unfortunately, people were led astray by this. And, and the story gets a little worse 
that the project they raised the money for, they ended up canceling. And then, so then they, they, they didn't give the money back to the people who gave it, they just repurposed it and used it for something else. So the lack of integrity, it's very disappointing when we, when, when we see people in the name of God claiming scripture, teaching scripture, claiming God's will or God's ways, any, doing that, but using manipulative tactics, putting pressure on us, putting pressure on believers to give in different ways. It, it's, it's such a distortion. And so the temptation can be is to say, well, I, I, I don't want to give to, you know, I, I, I don't trust it. It's going, to be, it's going to be misused. It's going to be wasted. It's, it's, I, I can't do that. I don't, I don't like that. Now, that's a, an understandable response. But here's what we can't, here's, here's a lesson, a life lesson for us is just because some people spoil something, we shouldn't let, uh, let them spoil it for everybody else or in every other context. What it means is it means that we need to be wiser. We need to, be, we, we need to give in ways that are honorable, but we need to give to people and to ministries that are wise and honorable that we sense, hey, this is the correct teaching of the Bible. This is being well used. And we, we have that sense that we, we, our conscience is clear that we're giving to something good and that we're wise about how we're giving and distributing God's money. I think that if we lack cheerfulness in our lives, if we struggle to find joy in God, I think some of that is because we're, we're tight-fisted with what God's given us. We're, we, we have a hard time releasing it to him. And Paul gives us some insight, gives us some motivation, gives us some understanding in these verses to help move us into that generous spirit, into understanding God's economy, how God's economy works, how money multiplies, how resource multiplies when you give it away. Verse 10, no, excuse me, verse 8, sorry, verse 8. He says this, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So there's some promises here, there's some insight, there's some teaching here. So grace abounds to us. God is able to make all grace abound, abound to us. Now, the concept of the grace of God, the unconditional favor of God upon us, you can't get more of it. It's an unlimited, infinite amount. God's already given all of that to us through the sacrifice of Jesus. So, you know, how can he make grace abound to you? Well, in this way that you can experience it more. You can't technically get more of it, but you can, experience, you can feel it more. It can become more real to you. So, so grace abounds to us, and it says that we'll have a sufficiency in all things. Now, sufficiency in all things means there's a guarantee that our needs will be met. God's gonna take care of our needs. That's a prom- this is a verse that you can quote back to God Say, God, you said your grace is going to abound to me and I'm going to have a sufficiency in all things at all times. I'm going to have what I need. God will supply what I need. And then, but then it also says that we, that we may abound in every good work, that, that God wants our good works to, to grow and, and, and to multiply as well. That, and, and part of us experiencing this freedom, experiencing this grace is in the act of giving, that as we learn to give like God gives, learn to be generous like God, we abound in grace. Grace abounds through us and it teaches us something. And that our good works abound. So that actually, it's kind of a cool connection that as we give financially, the good works that we do, which is, that is a good work, but also the other good works we do, the scripture is saying they're going to abound all the more. So, so it's almost like giving financially kind of supercharges the other good works that we do 
in our lives. Now this starts to get really radical here. These verses get really radical. These verses can be taken out of context. So let's try and get them clear, but it gets really radical. Verses 10 and 11, let's read these again. It says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for, uh, for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Holy smokes. Did you see it in there? If, 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 see, if dollars are seeds and we're to be generous and, and we're to plant and to grow, trusting that God's gonna produce a harvest or he's gonna use it in powerful ways more than if we just keep it for ourselves. It's saying, don't shoot me for saying this. It's saying that God will multiply the seed for sowing. God will multiply the seed for sowing. Now, you might say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. This sounds a little too close to like a, gospel, like a, like a prosperity gospel, right? That, that this idea that God exists to, to make me healthy and wealthy. And I'm only, I'm only supposed to be rich and, and famous and successful in life. Is it saying that? Is it saying that? Well, let's look at the words. Let's get this clear in our minds. It says, verse 11, we read it, you will be enriched in every way. Because, you know, it says, hey, you, you, through, you know, you're going to have um, the previous verse, so that you, you, you're going to increase the harvest of your righteousness. So I was like, okay, I, could, I can imagine my, my own righteousness increases and multiplies and I'm more righteous as I give. Okay, God, God produces that in me. But it also says in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. The original Greek for every way is every way. So, I mean, honestly, it's an amazing verse. Easily twisted, easily twisted, but still has profound promises in it. And here's what we miss. We miss that God does, God does promise to provide for us in a material way. There's material addition. There's earthly wealth that God brings into our lives. I mean, everything we have is from God. Okay, even there are verses in the Old Testament that say, you know, don't, don't think that it's your own skill or your own time or your own energy that produced your salary. It's all a gift. God gave you the strength to even do that. God gave you the intellect to do this. All a gift from God in the first place. So all the material provision we have and blessing we have comes from God in the first place. And it's saying here that God is going to multiply that as we give it away, that it's going to we're going to be enriched in every way, which means also we're going to be financially enriched at times. Biblically, you do a broad look at the Bible, God's favor on people is described in material ways. It's described, even heavenly rewards, even eternal rewards, how you do good works now, God's going to remember and bless it forever and you're going to get eternal rewards. Those are real physical things that we'll get. We won't get them now, we'll get them there. But it doesn't just say that. It's, you know, the, the children of Israel, when they come out of slavery, right? Well, they plunder the Egyptians and they get all this loot. The Egyptians are literally, with all the plagues and everything, they're literally giving them their money, saying, take all of this gold, take all of this stuff, just get out of here. We, we don't want to die. So they give up, they plunder them. And then later on, they use all of that to build the temple, that the temple in Jerusalem came from all the Egyptian gold that they got when they escaped Egypt. So, and then they're told, you're going to be taken to a land flowing with milk and honey. This is material provision. This is God saying, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply what you have that you'll be enriched in every way. Even at the birth of Jesus, right? The wise men bring 
gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh at his birth. There's a multiplication, there's a blessing, a provision there at the birth of Jesus. Now, if we stop there, we are in danger of falling into a prosperity gospel, which is why these verses can be so easily misinterpreted. And we, 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 we have this view of God that God just exists to make us healthy and wealthy and that God's like a, almost like a machine that if I, if I give, he has, to, he has to owe me a certain amount of money. We forget the parts of the Bible that say like, hey, look, sometimes, you're in, sometimes you don't have a lot. Sometimes you're in poverty. Sometimes, you have, sometimes you're enriched in every way and other times you have a little bit less. But the promise is there's always a sufficiency. That's, that's, the, that's the foundation of it is there's always a sufficiency. But as we learn to be generous and give, what we find is we find our resources, we find that we actually might see more resources coming into our life. But here's the beautiful thing about it. What Specifically, in verse 10 it says that you're giving the seed for sowing. You're giving the seed. So what's the purpose? of If God enriches us, if we, if we give and then we receive more, we're blessed and we can be blessed in lots of ways, not just material ways, we can be blessed in all kinds of ways, but sometimes we are blessed in material ways. What's the purpose of that? We're blessed for the purpose of sowing. And then specifically in verse 11 as well. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. The purpose of being enriched in every way is to be generous in every way. So as we give, as God honors, because God honors our giving, God honors our good works. Just as there's eternal rewards promised in heaven for the good works we do now, God honors those and remembers that, but also in our giving in this life, God says, I'm gonna honor that and bless you in the here and now as well. There's always gonna be a sufficiency, but as it multiplies, as you see it multiply, it multiplies in the things you give it to, but also you can see provision for yourself. You're given extra in order to be generous. That's the purpose of it. That's where the prosperity gospel twists it and says, essentially, you, you do this, you use this as a mechanism so that you can buy new cars and wear fancy clothes and wear all kind of jewelry and all kind of stuff, which is not the purpose of it. God blesses us so that we can bless other people, so that we can bless other people. That As we plant it, as we, as we put the seeds in the ground, as we put it in fertile soil, we're going to see amazing things grow out of it. Let me tell you the story of Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor. He was a great missionary to China. He died in 1905. And at the time of his death, 125,000 Chinese had been reached with the gospel. So this man's life had a harvest of righteousness in it through what he laid down and what he gave. And it was actually on the beach in Brighton, England, which is my hometown, in 1865, that Hudson decided that he wanted to reach China with the gospel. And in his biography, it tells this story. It said, Hudson had been called out late one night to witness to and pray over a sick woman with starving children. As he tried to pray, his words choked in his mouth because he had in his possession a silver coin that would answer his prayer and alleviate their suffering somewhat. Hypocrite, he heard his heart condemn him, telling people about a kind and loving father in heaven and not prepared to trust him yourself without your money. He gave them his last coin, only one bowl of porridge between him and poverty. So that's all he had. He's got one bowl of porridge at home. He had this, this, this silver coin, gave it away. As he ate that last meal, he remembered the scripture, he that giveth to the poor lendeth to the Lord. 
The next day, he received a package. In it was a gold coin worth 10 times the silver coin. Taylor cried out triumphantly, that's good interest, invested in God's bank for 12 hours, and it brings me this, that's the bank for me. As we give, as we sow into God's economy, into God's kingdom, it produces so much more than what we could ever imagine. And God provides for our needs in dramatic, impressive ways. Ask yourself this challenging question. If everybody gave like I did, or if, ask yourself this, this way, if everyone gives like I do, could this church or any church exist? If everyone gave like I did, could this church or any church exist? If the answer is yes, you're like, actually, yeah, I think that's true, then congratulations. Keep, keep up with that giving, and well done, and thank you. Thank you for your generous giving. If the answer is like, you know, actually no, you know, an honest no, then it's time, you know, by God's grace, we're looking at this passage today, and we're all hearing this today, and by God's timing, now's the day to step out into that true heart of God's giving. Verse 12 puts it like this. It says, for the ministry of this service, that's giving, for the ministry of this service is not only su supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgiving, thanksgivings to God. Yes, we give to needs. They're giving to the Jerusalem Christians. We're going to give to some needs this Christmas time. As we give, that meets people's needs. But beyond that, you know what it produces in those people that receive it? Thanksgiving. People that receive, people that are in need and they receive help, it produces worship to God. That's the big thing we should be about is, is stirring up worship to God. And the other thing I know that happens is that as, as people give, as we see people give, as, as we give and we see others receive, it inspires giving as well. So it, it, it meets needs, it causes thanksgiving and worship, but also it inspires more generosity. Generosity multiplies generosity. I know that's true in my life. As, I, as I've seen people be extremely generous in crazy ludicrous ways, it gives me faith, it gives, it gives me inspiration to say, I, I wanna be like them. Because do we really wanna be like the stingy people who hold on to stuff and are just so enamored with material wealth that we just wanna get more and more and more for ourselves? Like those are the hollow, gross people that we don't wanna be, be like at all. But I know the most inspiring people are the people that are selfless, who say, I wanna give and bless and, and help and resource. Those are the people I wanna, I wanna be like. It inspires it. And then these last few verses here, let's read these again, verse 13 through 15 to finish this off. It says, By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Paul says a few things here. He says... This is your submission. As you give, your act of giving, this, this sacrificial gift that you're giving, it's, it's, it's an act of submission. That means an act of obedience. That means that, that, that you're responding to you know, what God has told you to do. You're submitting yourself to it. And that is an outworking of your confession of the gospel. He says that very directly in, the, in those verses. That's a, it's, it's in line with your, the confession of, of the gospel. Now, think about it like this. If we confess the gospel, if we believe that God has generously given of his own son to die in our place to take our sin away, then the way that you know you actually believe that is measured in how generous you are. 
That's t- so generosity is the real world test of how much you understand and believe what God has done for you through Jesus. Because he's saying it's from your confession of this gospel, of the gospel of Christ. That's, the gospel is the good news of the grace of Jesus. It's through this confession that you've made Therefore, you've been obedient, you've been submissive, you submitted to God and you gave and you gave. and you, 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 We're going to gather up this collection for these Jerusalem believers that are in need. But he also makes two other ref, uh, phrases in this passage here. He says um, that, that the surpassing grace of God is upon them. And then he talks about God's inexpressible gift. God's inexpressible gift. And these are, are ways that the Apostle Paul is trying to describe how great the gospel really is. There's a surpassing grace on you. I thought grace by itself was enough, but it's surpassing grace, okay. And then, but then there's this inexpressible gift. You can't even describe it. It's a, a gift so great, you can't express how great it truly is. You just, it's something you feel deeply in, in, in your heart. So we already had reasons to give. People are in need. Well, that's a good reason to give. Hey, it produces thanksgiving in people to give. That's a good reason to give. Hey, it, it can inspire more generosity in others. in others. That's a good reason to give. But you know, the greatest reason to give the, the most amazing reason to give that you can't fully articulate or explain because it's inexpressible, the inexpressible gift of God sending his son to die in our place, to make the greatest sacrifice, to offer himself his righteousness for our sinfulness. You see, some people don't like the idea of following God. I don't like the idea of the Christian faith because they think, well, it's, it's about rules. You just have to, people are judging each other all the time and trying to keep each other to the rules. You just got to follow the commandments, right? If you just follow the commandments, then you're good enough and God likes you and people like you and you get God off your back. Isn't that what religion's like and that's toxic? That kind of view completely misunderstands the Christian faith. Completely misunderstands it. Now, God's standard, God's rules should be followed because we want to be good. God is good. We, we don't want to be evil. Evil's bad. And good is good. Kind of obvious. Needs to be said, though, sometimes. But the, the rules, following the rules, the rules exist to show us the way, to show us what it, like, it means to live like God and to live a righteous life. But they're given to us to show us our inability to keep them. Actually, the Bible goes so far as to say that the rules and, and the laws of God and the ways of God are actually a curse to us. They end up being a curse to us. They're still good, but they're a curse to us because they condemn us. Because when, when you say, hey, you, you should honor your father and mother, and you're like, dang it, failed that one. Hey, you, sh- you know, you shouldn't lie. You're like, well, yep, that's a problem. You shouldn't be covetous. You're like, well, you yeah, know, yep, already made that mistake. I can't live up to the good, righteous standards. I can't be like God. I want to be good like God, but I can't be good like God. I fail the standards all the time. And so the rules of the Christian faith are given to show us that we need a savior. And the way that God has solved the problem of the inability of the human heart to overcome our own sin is that he made a substitution. A substitution is this. Jesus took the penalty for our sin in our place on the cross, exchanging his life for our life. And therefore God instead of measuring our lives against his standards, against his laws, against his righteous, holy ways, instead of comparing us to that, he looks at Jesus and compares Jesus to that and says Jesus was perfect, sinless, made no error, no mistake, and therefore he fulfilled the law of God. And therefore, because there's a substitution, we're then forgiven for our sins. God took responsibility on the cross, Jesus dying on the cross, that great sacrifice, that amazing sacrifice, giving of the greatest gift, the inexpressible gift on the cross. 
That's God taking responsibility for us. And so to be saved by grace, to be saved by grace should make us the most cheerful, the most joyful people on the face of the earth. So if we're miserable, if we're Christians and we're miserable, it means that we're trying to find our affirmation and our approval and our identity in something other than the inexpressible gift, the surpassing grace of God, the extravagant. We, we don't, it means that we, we're only understanding it at a shallow level. We haven't gone deep into it because for grace to be true grace, it has to be freely given, can't be earned. You can't buy God's grace. You can't give enough to earn your way. You can't be generous enough. That's the problem. Even I'm even hesitant to preach a message on giving because I'm like, I don't want people to take it legalistically and think, or oh, if I do this, then I'm a better Christian or God will love me more or accept me more. That's backwards. That's the wrong way around. We give because he has given. It can't be achieved. It can only be received. The grace can only be received. Are we stingy? Do you feel stingy sometimes? Do you feel tight-fisted? Sometimes, do you feel like maybe you're just a tipper? You just throw a few coins in every so often. When will the gospel of grace truly melt our hearts? Well, we won't make a mockery of what God has done on the cross, but it'll be the transforming thing that says, I don't have to be insecure about my resources. I don't have to be insecure about my life because God has promised there's a sufficiency in all things at all times. That's his promise. And sometimes I'll be enriched. And if I'm enriched, then it's for the purpose of being generous. It's not so I can have new stuff. It's an amazing truth. Now, if you're not a believer of Jesus, let me just say this to you. If you feel motivated to give, inspired to give, hey, you know, fine. Your giving will do good. But, 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 but know this. You, you can never, never buy God's grace. Know, know this, that there is a God in heaven who loves you who made the greatest sacrifice for you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And that relationship is unlike any other relationship you could ever imagine. When people find true faith in Christ, because people can pretend to be religious for many, many years, but when you find true faith in Christ and you know Christ and you receive an identity from him, it changes everything. You're so free. Generosity, the word sacrifice is completely changed in your mind. Rather than sacrifice feeling like a, pain, a painful thing, like I'm losing, when you give, you know you're getting. That's how radical it is. When you give, you know you're receiving by your giving. It's, it's, it's the economy of God. It's all upside down. That's because God has all the power. You know, creation is failing. The stars are all going to burn out and explode one day. Our sun too. Everything's, it's entropy, right? It's all, it's all going to nothing, ultimately. Except there's a God above it all who is eternal and he's going to breathe life into it. And he's going to bring it, he's going to make it last forever and make it new and get rid of all of the pain, all of the things that are broken, aren't working properly. He's going to restore it all one day. Today, our response is to repent and to be humble and to cry out and open up our hands and, and receive. Not be tight-fisted, but to receive and say, God, help me be more generous. Help me be like you. Help me to receive your grace today. Let's respond to this. Let's get ourselves into an attitude of worship to... Really apply these verses today to really understand what it means to give, to, to be like God, to, to have the fullest expression of our own identity, which is to give like God gives. When you like and subscribe, this video reaches more people.